This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We have company. Let's head out to One Jets Drive. He sleeps there. He eats there. He has breakfast there. He is Rich Samini. <laughs> and he joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, Rich. That's not too far from the truth, Larry. How you doing? I'm doing great. Listen, I know. I was there with you, so I know. I know how you're. You're there long enough to pay taxes. <laughs> That's how long well, you're there. Uh, that that is a that is a matter of fact in the in the state of New Jersey, unfortunately, which has a high tax rate. But uh, yeah, today was a long day. You know, well, obviously we had some uh, some news this afternoon with Aaron Rodgers, so that uh, added a little wrinkle into our day. Rich. How is this possible that now Zach Wilson's cap hit is higher than Aaron Rodgers for this season? <laughs> well, it's not as high as it was uh, 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, look, Aaron Rodgers, if the folks haven't heard it, you know, he redid his contract, which we all expected. He obviously was not going to play this year for the veterans minimum which is what he had been on the books for for the last three months since the trade happened. I knew he was going to take a pay cut, a pay reduction to help out the team. I had no idea he would take this much. Essentially, he's leaving about $35 million of guaranteed money on the table, which is, I don't know, it might be unprecedented in team sports. I don't know if an individual athlete has ever taken that much of a pay cut, it's uh, it's pretty massive. So it, it, it amounts to a two-year, $75 million contract. It's all guaranteed. It's way below market value, clearly. And he's doing the team a big favor here. He gives them a lot of financial flexibility. Rich, uh, Ira called earlier and talked about how shocked he was about this deal and how good Aaron Rodgers has been. And Rich, I know it's early, and he had, we haven't played any games meaningful yet. We we know that he hasn't uh, run into you know what what pitfalls and bumps and bruises that you go through a regular NFL season, but the early the early results on Aaron Rodgers have been pretty good. He's been he's been more than what the Jets could have asked for. Yeah, Larry, they became a better offense the moment he put his helmet on. You know, I mean. I mean, look, wasn't a high bar that he had to get over. We know that. So, you know, there was a dramatic upgrade at quarterback. Um, he's made some throws that, quite frankly, I have not seen a best quarterback make in some time. Uh, the throw yesterday to Garrett Wilson down the sideline was just an uncanny 30 yards tight window. I mean, when you say tight window, I mean, I didn't even know there was a window that small that a ball could get through, you know? So, I mean, he does some extraordinary things. Now the offense has had some struggles. Today was not a good day for the offense and Rogers, you know, pretty much articulated that afterwards, uh, their offensive line, and we can get into this a little bit. Their offensive line had all sorts of problems today. They, they could not block, uh, especially in the running game. So, uh, you know, obviously a good defensive line they're blocking. So that's part of it, but the line, and it's early. we got plenty of practice to go over the next few weeks, so you don't want to panic. But this offensive line bears watching. All right, so let's stay right there, Rich. Uh, Makai Becton struggled against Carl Lawson yesterday. Rich, this sounds like a year ago or a year and a half ago that 
Carl Lawson was going right by Makai Becton, and we were saying, man, Carl Lawson must be really good. And then we were wondering about Makai Becton. Now, after that, Salah, he gets the day off. Salah says his knee wasn't, you know, couldn't, we wanted to give him some extra time. Knee was barking a little bit. Rich, is he really going to be able to be consistently available for this team this year? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that, Larry. I do not believe he will be a starter this year uh, to start the year. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, Wayne Brown is going to be the left tackle. You know, that's all there is to it. Wayne Brown's going to be clear for practice soon, and he's going to be out there, and he's going to be the left tackle. And if I had to bet right now, I would say Max Mitchell's probably the right tackle and Billy Turner is going to be your swing backup tackle. Uh, Makai is, I give him credit. He's battling through this. He's had two knee surgeries on that right knee. He's obviously feeling some residual effects. Uh, he's battling through it. Today they just wanted to back him off because he, it flared up a little bit yesterday. So they backed him off today. They're saying it's day-to-day. Um, he lost a lot of weight. I give him credit for that. He, he really busted his rear end to get into shape to come into camp and you know he's rusty he hasn't played football in two years so he's not going to go out there and play like he did as a rookie it's a gradual process and it starts with staying healthy and gradually they can build up his reps you know on a day-to-day basis what was the issues with the offensive line rich while you were watching them today I don't think it was the interior. I think the guards and the center were okay. I think it was more on the perimeter. Hmm. So, uh, you know, obviously Dwayne Brown is out. They had uh, Max Mitchell at left tackle today. They had Billy Turner at right tackle. Those guys are flip-flopping. They're trying to create some uh, position flexibility. So that could have been in it, you know, as well. You know, they were trying different things at tackle. That may have contributed to it. And like I said, it's a good defensive front, Larry, you know. These guys really get after it. They just come in waves at you. They go about 10 deep on the defensive line. Uh, Will McDonald was very impressive today. The rookie really uh, really was active. So uh, probably a number of factors contributed to the offensive line. Uh, Rich, how has that running game looked so far? And I know yesterday was the first day in pads, so give me your thoughts. Not bad yesterday, but today, I mean, Michael Carter, Bam Knight, just not a lot of room to run. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, when they tried to run wide, it seemed like they were just getting swallowed up. You know, it just it just wasn't clicking today. And as Rogers said, you know, he said, we have had five good days of practice, and then today was the sixth day. He goes, this was like our first little step back. He felt maybe some fatigue was setting in. He said the offense looked tired, mental mistakes. So, hey, it happens in training camp. You, sometimes uh-huh. you hit a little bit of a wall, and, you know, you got to come back, and we'll see tomorrow how the offense comes back tomorrow. But, you know, none of the running backs has really been that impressive so far in camp. Uh, Michael Carter has been getting you know, probably the prime reps. I, I would say the Dalvin Cook situation is something to watch. You know, uh-huh. I, I I think the Jets are in the mix there, and uh, I'm real curious to see what happens over the next few days. Yeah, we're all curious, Rich, because I think you, if Michael Carter had shown you something last season, I think you might be a little more willing to give him an opportunity to to you know be the the main backup to Brees Hall. But when you have a, a running back like Dalvin Cook out there, I think you have to try to make a move for him, Rich. Yeah, it's going to depend on the price. You know, it's 
Joe Douglas, like like all GMs, doesn't want to pay a lot for for a running back. Um, I think the fact you know the factor they have to consider here is is Brees Hall. You know what mm. what do they think he can give them early in the year? I, I watch him on the side working. Uh, he's running full speed straight ahead. You know they said he's clocked twenty three on the GPS, which is extraordinarily fast. But from talking to experts about ACL injuries, it's not the full speed you have to worry about. It's the acceleration and it's the cutting ability. You know, those are the elements that sometimes come back a little slower. So those are the things they need to know about Brees Hall. And I'm sure they have this down to a science. Everything is, you know, recorded and, and metrics for everything nowadays. So I'm sure there's a scientific study that the Jets have on this. He's, he's got to hit little checkpoints along the way. So I'm sure they have a really good idea of what they think they can get from Brees early in the year. But like you said, Larry, Dalvin Cook's a proven guy. I think his performance has dropped the last couple of years. Mm. You look at the numbers, he hasn't been the same running back. He has been uh, since three or four years ago. But he's still a competent runner. He's got that shoulder injury. You know, he had shoulder surgery in the offseason. I'm told that he's okay now. Um, we'll see. And uh, I would not be surprised if the Jets, uh, you know, I know that for a fact they've been monitoring this situation. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they escalate talks a little bit here in the next few days. Rich, give me your thoughts on Corey Davis and his role in this offense. I mean, we a lot of us have been kind of surprised that he's still on the team, <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, a tall receiver who blocks well, Rich, I guess he's, he's got a spot here, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm a, we all thought, you know, he might become a casualty in the offseason with all the new receivers they brought in. Even Corey Davis admitted that he wasn't sure what was happening in the offseason. He goes, this was a really long offseason for him. But he is here, and they're paying him like a starter, Larry. I mean, his cap number is the same. It's like $11 million. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't bet my mortgage on him being on the roster. I think there's a pretty good chance he will be. There's also a chance they could come to him at the end of the preseason and try to get him take a, uh, get him to take a pay cut. You know, probably somewhere in half of, of 11 million. That's a possibility. So that one is is, is interesting. It's, I don't think that story's been been told yet. And you know, Alan Lazard's out right now. He's got mm. some muscle and so they really need Corey Davis right now so it'll be interesting to see what happens um, but I, I wouldn't swear that he's got 100% on the team Ritzamini's my guest covers the Jets for us on ESPN it's Larry Hardestein for Dan Gross on 98.7 ESPN alright Ritz let's talk a little defense you mentioned Will McDonald the fourth uh, let's talk about the young players on this defense what have you seen from them and this you know I always say it Rich I know what goes on with the offense and Aaron Rodgers and so on and so forth, but for me, the identity of this Jet team is their defense. So give me a, give me what you give me your thoughts on the young players in this defense so far that you've seen. Yeah, well, you know, I think everybody knows the main cast of characters, but the one name I would add who has jumped out is Tony Adams at free safety. You know, he's been getting a lot of work at free safety. They obviously. They wanted Chuck Clark to be that guy on, you know, unfortunate break for Chuck Clark with the season ending knee injury and OTAs. And so they signed Adrian Amos from the Packers, 
But right now, Tony Adams has got a leg up, and he made a really nice interception today. It was a free play. It was a offside, and Rodgers took a shot downfield because he, he knew it was a free play. But Adams really showed great range on the play. He was in center field and kind of ranged over to the sideline and made a nice pick down the sideline. And I think Rodgers joked and went up to him and said, hey, nice play, kid. By the way, it didn't count. But, you know, he couldn't resist that little, little tweak there. But uh, I, I've been impressed with Tony Adams. He's got the best range of any safety on the roster, and that's what they need in the back end. Uh, what is, how's, how's Jermaine Johnson been so far in camp? Yeah, I should have mentioned him. My bad. Uh, Jermaine Johnson has been uh, really impressive. Hmm. He looks different. I mean, his body just looks a little bit more chiseled than last year. He's looks more explosive than last year. Uh, he's getting a lot more opportunities on the defensive line. Last year, you know, kind of like, what, the fourth or fifth defensive end, uh, kind of lost in the crowd a little bit, working his way up. I think he only played about 200 snaps last year total. Uh, well, this year he's getting prime reps on the defense, and he looks like a different player. Got a different number, number 11, his old college number. Said it makes him feel more comfortable. So, you know, he's a guy to watch. Jermaine Johnson, I would say, has been one of the more impressive players in camp. Rich, I'm real curious, um, as you as we move forward and get to this uh, Hall of Fame game, who are some of the players that we can expect to see that, that could get some minutes in this game? Now, one of the callers asked me if Aaron Rodgers was going to play in this game. I told him, I didn't think so. There's no way he's going to play. But who are some of the players? And, and afterwards, I know everybody's going to be screaming and yelling, but I also want to get your thoughts on what you've seen from Zach Wilson so far. Yeah, Larry, I got a better chance of playing in that game than uh, than Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, there's uh, there's no chance of that happening. Uh, I'd also be surprised if Zach Wilson plays. I, wow. I don't okay. think they want to – yeah, yeah, I don't think – you know, with the extra preseason game, I don't think Robert Sala wants to put his backup in harm's way. So I think it's going to be the Tim Boyle-Chris Strebler show uh, next Thursday night in Canton, Ohio, and – yeah, so uh, you know, it, it's basically a, a scrimmage game. It's like a JV. You're going to see guys from both sides, you know, basically the bottom half of the roster. But, I, I you know, Will McDonald, you know, all the rookies, expect uh-huh. to see them. You know, Joe Tipman, uh, Will McDonald, Izzy Bonaconda, who had a long run a couple of days ago. It's been kind of buried behind the other running backs right now, but that would be a prime opportunity to get to see him. And so uh, – even guy like we talked about Jermaine Johnson and Tony mm-hmm. Adams, you know, younger guys like that who can use the reps. But you're not going to see Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson out there and Rodgers and, like I said, even Zach Wilson. And that's where Zach Wilson um, threw a nice ball today on a deep out to uh, Xavier Gibson, who's been an impressive young undrafted free agent and receiver. He's looked good. Uh, but with Zach, you know, I'm watching him. I, you know, I see Zach. And I know what Zach can do in practice. You know, for mm-hmm. Zach, it's doing it in the game. Uh, how does he handle a pass rush? Last year, he was historically one of the worst-rated passers ever against pressure. So that's the whole key for Zach Wilson. He's learning a new offense, so it's almost like he's starting over again. And he's got talent. We know that. 
I think the Rodgers effect will have a positive influence on him. But for Zach Wilson, it's taking it from the practice field to the game and how he does under the lights. That's really the key for Zach Wilson. Two more for you, Rich. Uh, on Robert Sala, you've talked about how the difference that you can see with you know Aaron Rodgers and different tempos and so on and so forth. I know it's early. I get it. But is there something different about Robert Sala that you see how the camp is run? How is there a quicker tempo? Is there something different defensively that you start? Are there any nuances that you're seeing that might be a little different that would indicate that there's been maybe a couple of adjustments that he's made either in how the camp is run or philosophy or anything of that nature? Well, they had a seven-on-seven drill today, which is unusual for Saleh. He is not a big believer in seven-on-seven, and he's done it from time to time, but really not too often. But they did run one today, and so that tells me that maybe that's something that Aaron Rodgers really likes. He feels like he can get a lot out of it. So um, other than that, I think Saleh is really focused on trying to manage this team through an extended training camp. We all know they came in a week early because – of the Hall of Fame game. So I think he's very, you know, the whole load management thing, he's very into the science of that. And so I think you're seeing a training camp this year with more days off. For instance, they'll practice tomorrow, but then they have Friday and Saturday off. In all my years of covering the NFL and the Jets, I can't recall a team getting two days off in a row in training camp. And the Jets, have that back-to-back, I think, a few times this summer. That, that's not the only time they'll have two days off in a row. After every game, after every preseason game, basically he's giving them two days off in a row to try to simulate a regular season schedule. So very conscious of load management. And uh, I think he appreciates, as he was said today, I think he appreciates having a veteran quarterback like Rodgers. He went through his entire coaching career at each stop they never really had an experienced quarterback, you know, from Seattle to Jacksonville to San Francisco. They always had rookies or neophytes at quarterback. And so you can coach a team differently when you got a guy who's been around the block a few times. And I think in a certain, to a certain degree, that takes some pressure off the head coach. He doesn't have to spend extra time coddling the quarterback extra time coaching him up on the NFL one on one. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, he doesn't need he doesn't need that kind of coaching. You know, he he's on the graduate level course. And so I think Salah appreciates having a quarterback like that. You mean Mangini never gave off back to back days, Rich? Oh my God. You know, <laughs> in those days it was as Lavertius Coles, he used to complain after every practice about how long the practices were, you know, and those were, that was the pre, uh, you know, when they changed all the rules in the CBA in 2011, you know, man, gee, those were long two-a-day practices. <laughs> yes, they were. And it was, it was not, you remember, it was not a, uh, it was not a pleasant experience for the players. Hey, hey Rich, the highlight of those were, uh, talking to Pete Kendall, who talked about how Mangini put him in the dorm because <laughs> he was holding out. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, yeah, there was a little uh, there was a little acrimony going on there between Pete Kendall and the Jets organization <laughs> over a million dollars. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting shipped off to uh, to Washington, as, as I recall. Yeah. One last thing, Rich, real quick. Just give me your thoughts on the conversations you've had with running backs about, you know, the situation with running backs and what happened with uh, Saquon Barkley and how that turned out. 
Yeah, Michael Carter was talking about that yesterday. Obviously, uh, he wasn't on the Zoom call. He said he may have popped he popped in for a little bit on that Zoom call, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a very sore subject among running backs. They obviously feel they're greatly underappreciated. Michael Carter said we're the only position that does three things: we run, catch, and block. And you know he feels that guys are just not getting adjusted. He said he woke up and saw the the Saquon Barkley news on his phone and that they gave him a prove it deal. And he's like, are they kidding? This can't be right. You know? So, it, but it is right. It is, it is the way of the world right now for running backs. And uh, it's tough. You know, it's, it's really tough the way I, you know, funny Curtis Martin was at, a, at practice mm. yesterday. And I remember when Curtis signed his contract with the jets, it was such a big contract that Parcells gave him every, Everyone was it was it was the highest paid guy on the team. How could you pay a guy that much money? And, and back then, for a running back, it was almost it was okay, you know, because he was your guy, he was your your bell cow. But the NFL mm-hmm. has changed a lot, and te- you know, teams find running backs, you know, replaceable parts at this point. And so that'll be put to the test once again right now with this Alvin Cook situation. You know, is Joe Douglas? going to splurge a little bit more than he normally would on a running back? Fascinating question. It is. It is. Rich, uh, any any flight deck information, or we're not doing the flight deck yet? Oh, no. We had our training camp preview uh, last week. Okay. So uh, that's the last one we've done. I've got to wait till the game gets started here so Perfect. we have something real to talk about. Excellent. And, you know, next Thursday uh, I'll be in Canton for a few days and I'll be there for the induction ceremonies with uh, Darrell Weavis and Joe Klecko as well. That's going to be fun. So, everybody, the flight deck will be in action. Check it out after the uh, Hall of Fame game. You can get it right here on the ESPN New York app. Rich, thanks for a couple of minutes. Hard work tomorrow, but enjoy the next two days off, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Larry. Anytime. All right, that's Rich Samini. We'll get your thoughts on what Rich had to say next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, the most troubling thing in our interview with Rich Samini is very simple. Issues with the offensive line today. Issues with the offensive line. Yes, I understand that this jet front is a very good front. I get it. Yes, I understand that you're going to have to, there's no perfect offensive line in the NFL that you will always be tested. I understand that. But when you know that this is one of the positions that concerns you, that has to be buttoned up, that has to be squared away, that you have to have more confidence in that they can get the job done because of what is expected of you. And Rich is right. It's it's early. It's early in training camp. And so far, the offense had been rolling. This is the first day that the defense really got to him. Okay, fine. But as we get closer and closer, this is always going to remain in the back of the mind of Jet fans. It's very simple. What is going on with this offensive line? When are they going to get it fixed so that we can be confident in it? And once again, Every offensive line gets tested. They all do. 
Even Patrick Mahomes, why why we marvel at Patrick Mahomes? His ability to make plays with his legs and run and throw sidearm and tosses and all the other stuff. Some of that is because he's eluding blitzes from opposing defensive lines. No offensive line will not stop anybody. Even Tom Brady got sacked. But when this has been the number one priority for you to get squared away, and you're hearing there's issues with the offensive line, day after pads, the first day in pads, day after that, it makes you raise your eyebrow. We'll take your calls on the Jets next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Makai's uh, knee just wasn't up for it today, so we uh, we just held him back. We'll see. It's going to be more day-to-day, but hoping we can get back out there tomorrow. We're trying to pace it, trying to get him back up to full speed where he can play an entire game. So we're just working with him. It's the doctors, our training staff, and coaches is trying to make sure we do the best we can to get him ready to play, play a football game. Robert Sala on Makai Becton having the day off. They hope he can play tomorrow. Artisty Pagrasa on 98.7 ESPN. Once again, Ritzamini talking about the offensive line's play today. Not good. Becton with barking knee, which is to be expected because he hasn't, this is doing football moves, everything. He hasn't done that in a couple of years. This is to be expected. But that means, and Rich said it, and I totally agree, he's not the starter. And I don't think you can rely on him to be the starter. He is going to be, he has to be right now, I think, a backup. Yes, they will try to see if they can start him. They're going to try. But ultimately, ultimately, he's a reserve lineman. He just is. His availability is always going to be in question until he proves to you otherwise. And really, for an offensive line, you want the continuity of everybody playing together. That's what you want. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker, he's just like, just give me somebody over here that I can depend on on my, on my side. <laughs> give me somebody I can depend on. <laughs> Eddie's in Westchester. Eddie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Doing great, Eddie. What's going on? All right. Did he say anything about Brees Hall? But I didn't hear uh, anything about him. He's still, he is, he's still been, uh, he did mention him being on the side doing work, uh, not snaps yet. I don't think you're going to see him until much later uh-huh. in training camp or, or in preseason. I don't think he'll be in the preseason game, to be honest with you, Eddie. I, I think they're going to win. Oh, they, then they got to do something. Because, listen, all the other teams are just going to key off on Rodgers. If they don't have, if they, they should get cooks or something. I don't care what it costs and whatever they have to do to, fudge things here and there. Really, they should have made a deal for for Barkley, I thought, because if they're going to strike with Rodgers now, they might as well have an explosive back. But if they don't have someone to take the heat off Rodgers, I don't think they got a shot. And number one, and the last thing I want to say is, mm-hmm. you know, the Buffalo game and the, and the Kansas City game are both teams that they're probably going to see if the Jets make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing, I don't know if you're an old school football fan, you know, teams used to make the Cowboys play in their dark jerseys right, and thought white. it was a bad for them. Right. right. You know what? You're, you're playing home. You're supposed to be in your home dark greens if you're doing 85 throwback. That's a, That's another reason. I always want to see the Jets win. They're my third favorite team. But you can't root for them when they always do things backwards. 
They shouldn't be in white. They should be in the the emerald green that Gastineau wears. Those are the home jerseys, not the white on white on white. I hear what you're saying, Eddie. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, Joe, correct me. Is that one of the legacy? Is that a legacy game that they're wearing the legacy jerseys? They're wearing the legacy jerseys opening night against the Bills mm-hmm. the and white. I believe against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football right. are the two right. legacy games, which though the jer- everybody complaining about jerseys, and I do it too, it's up to the league. It's not up to the Jets, Giants, or whoever your favorite team is. That That is a league thing. And remember, everybody, you complained enough. You don't. When's the last time you seen the Jets wear a Titans jersey? <laughs> Can we bring those back? Those are sw- the, the, the the blue ones were sweet. the blue ones were pretty good. Sweet, blue ones blue ones were pretty good. But it's just like, but they wear green. Why would you have a blue? <laughs> Why'd you have a blue jersey? But yeah, you know the Titans jersey were you know, people. Oh, why are we the Titans? <laughs> It was it was wild, but uh, yeah, the, the blue ones. People like the blue ones better than the other one. I'll say that. There's no doubt about that. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Oh, what's going on, big bro? What's happening, Buddha? Yeah, you know, sometimes I take a little bit of heat on this station, you know, from some of the fans and and some of the hosts who you know can't take the fanboy jacket off. Uh. When you hear Rich Semini's report, is that not exactly what I've said here about 70 or uh, too close to 100 times about yep. this offensive line? About and, you know, these guys came on in and they got all hot involved. In, you know, when I'm like, look, this Zach Wilson, is, 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 they can't take this guy. And, you know, again, I don't know the draft Booty, you got to call me back. Your phone is is in another world. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to it, but your phone's in another world, my friend. 1-800-919-3776. Nice play by Jeff O'Neill. Jeff McNeil. Jeff O'Neill. Jeff McNeil taking a home run away from Glaber Torres. And he does, he's not a right fielder, so that's a nice play. Nice play by him. Mets trailing 3-1. Quintana, happy. Torres, agonized. <laughs> agonized. Uh, Buddha, you're right. And you're not the only one that has said it. This offensive line remains to be an issue. And it's, to be honest, it should not be. That's all they've done is to address this offensive line year after year after year. Free agency, through the draft, through trades. They have done, they've done everything they possibly could to get this offensive line right. And it's still not right. It's still not right. It is, it, it is unconscionable to me that they can't find five guys to, pl- to play the offensive line at an NFL level. I'm not even asking for an elite level. I mean, an NFL level. You'll get three guys, you get two guys. I tell you, if you're a Jet fan, it really makes you appreciate the Brickershaw Ferguson, Damian Woody, Nick Mango. Brandon Moore, it, it makes you, it, it, Alan Fanica, it makes you appreciate them. It makes you really appreciate what an offensive line can do and, and a stellar offensive line that knows how to block, that knows how to run block, 
I mean, do you remember some of the running totals those that offensive line put up against league teams in the league? What 200, 300 rushing yards? Because they because they just bowled people over. I mean, that was, those were offensive lines. And to be honest, the Jets have not recovered to have a stellar offensive line like that since those guys retired. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776, talking Jets and Giants. Buddha's back from the Bronx. Hey, Buddha. Hey, sorry about that, man. Sometimes this service over here in Carson, New Jersey is not good, man. I apologize about that. This is much better, much better. Yeah. You know, um, like I was saying, though, it's just, it's very frustrating, like you said, with the offensive line. I mean, multiple people, multiple drafts. You know, the the stuff that concerned me as a Jets fan, and, you know, it's painted to be like Buddha's negative and all this other nonsense that some of these people say. These are legitimate concerns, man. You know, Makai Becton should never have ever been counted on to be anything less than a maybe this year. That was a bad pick, period. That 2019 draft was a bad draft, the one before him, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. Picking Zach Wilson was a bad pick, period. Those free agency signings, I'm not going to run the names down of them. We've talked about them a thousand times. They were poor. I give Joe Douglas a lot of credit for the Jamal Adams trade and what he was able to get out of that. I give him a lot of credit for a lot of the trades that he's made. But besides that draft last year, to me, his performance has been underwhelming. I'm sorry. There have been a lot of misses, a lot of misses. And what happens here is, as fans, we want to project somebody to be something that a lot of times that they're not. He's not a great general manager yet. He still is yet to prove to be a really good one in my eyes. I'm sorry. And the guy calling you talking about what Aaron Rodgers play in the Hall of Fame game. Buddy, let me explain something to you. You're not going to see Aaron Rodgers on a football field and anything other than a practice until September 11th, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You cannot play around with this, with this bad offensive line. And again, when we spoke the other night, what did I say to you? Aside from the offensive line, Michael Carter, I'm sorry. I got to wash my hands of him. Bam Knight is young. He gives me more promise. They have got to bring in another running back. Even if it's not Dalvin Cook, it can't be some throwaway guy. It has to be somebody who some team didn't want to pay or some young guy was playing better than them. So they ended up releasing that person for salary reasons. The offensive line, you can – listen, Max Mitchell, y'all can tell me about how, how good he's going to be. Listen, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced Dwayne Brown can play a full season. You know, Vera Tucker's coming off of injury. They have got to get other people in here, and they've got to get another safety. I don't want to care how Adams made a good play in practice. All this practice stuff. You know, like Allen Iverson, what are we talking about, practice? Mm-hmm. This practice stuff means nothing to me. What's going to mean something to me is when the games count and the games matter, are we going to have the depth at offensive line? Are we going to have the depth at running? I don't care what mile an hour Brees Hall was running the other day in practice. 
Remember that kid from the Patriots, Robert um, Edwards? Remember he got drafted? He was a beast that first year, tore up his knee in some volleyball game, was never the same player. There's no guarantee that he comes back as the same player. So, you know, when I hear this stuff about, you know, wishful thinking and all this other stuff, that to me, all that stuff, hope and all that, that's for children. I need definites. And right now, there are a lot of ifs with this team. And as good as Aaron Rodgers is looking in practice, season goes on, you know, those hits and those attrition, we saw what happened to him last year. Yeah. Older guys do not play well getting hit. And they have to rectify that, period. There's no question, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. And what I'm looking for more so is, and this is close to close to preseason games are these scrimmages with other teams because at least in those scrimmages with other teams, it's a different tempo. Uh, They are a little more respectful because nobody wants to get hurt. So you're not in a situation where you've got a a young player trying to make a name for himself or trying to get to where I got to jump off the jump off the film because I need to make this team scenarios like that. It's seven on it's a seven on seven, eleven on eleven the scrimmage team. So you then you get a little better idea of where you are and where this offensive line is. But I'm telling you, with all due respect to the Jet defense, I'm really if you're a Jet fan, you have to be concerned about this offensive line. And listen, you already are. Everybody talks about the offensive line. More people talk about the offensive line than the defensive line with this Jet team. If there is a reason why people don't think this team is could be as good as it could be or will reach where they need to go, 95% of them will tell you it's the offensive line because we're not sure what we're getting from them. They got to step it up. Mark's in Newark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Larry. How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. What's going on? No, no, that's right. Brother Larry, I'm going to uh, give it to you this way. That 95% you were talking about, I'm into 5%. And here's okay. why. I think all of, every time I hear Rich, is always going to find something negative. It just won seven games last year, and Brees Hall was on pace for rookie of the year. It just had more injuries on the offensive line than any team in football. Yet, even with that said, they won seven games. That wasn't the offensive line. And Barrios dropped the touchdown. That's eight games right there, a game-winning touchdown. We played the Patriots 3-3 three to three because Zach Wilson was our quarterback in two games. That wasn't the offensive line. That was him. So, for me, the, the fact that he was able to plug and play and we continued. Ask the Bills how good our offensive line was when we ran it down there to the end the game against them in their house, up the middle. That's when we saw Michael Carter and that Robinson kid for a New York minute. Offensive line looked pretty good then. And nobody's going to have a perfect offensive line. I'm, I, don't, I don't buy that for a second. I think that the continuity is going to be important and health. So, so for me, I think that's just overrated. Period. Every every team's got offensive line problems, and you just play and you, you let other supplements happen, like a good running back. Oh, back to the running back again. I like what Buddha said about hopes and wishes and pipe dreams. Get, go get Dalvin Cook. 
Oh, mm-hmm. no, you can just plug and play your running back. Yeah, really? How about if we go get Dalvin Cook? How about that? You want to impress me? You want to say you want to win? Brees Hall is coming off of an injury that some people never come back from. Mm-hmm. And he's, a, he's a amazing, uh, amazingly fast and, 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 and good running back to be so young. Dalvin Cook is those things, and he's a little longer in the tooth, but he's proven. He mm-hmm. knows what to do, yep. period, to help the offensive line, to help protect the quarterback. It, mm-hmm. the, the pass is out of the backfield. That helps the offensive line. That couldn't help an offensive line if he had one. So, for me, I, I think that's just overblown hype, and, 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 and that'll, that'll come through. And, and, and most importantly, what I hope is that they go get Dalvin Cook and stop hoping like I'm doing right now and, and have a guy in there. I, I seem to remember a guy like Thomas Jones. I seem mm. to remember a guy like LaDainian Thomason, uh, my favorite Martian. Um, I mean, come on. Come on. We even, we even got Ivory. Ivory rushed for 1,000-something yeah, yards in 2015. He did. You know, so why are we going to stop doing that? That worked yep. very well. Why are we yeah. not going to do that? Go get Dalvin Cook if you're listening, Mr. Johnson. Thanks a lot, Larry. All right, Mark. Thanks for the phone call. I agree with most of what you said. The only thing, the only caveat I will say is, yes, you're right about the offensive. Yes, you're right about the quarterback play and whatnot. But I remember Mike White getting hammered and just getting wiped out. And there's issues with the offensive line. I just need them. If I... In analyzing them, and if I were a Jet fan, here's what I want. I just want them to be more consistent. That's all I want from them. I don't need them to be the Dallas Cowboys blocking for Emmitt Smith. I don't need them to be that. I just need them to be consistent. I need them to be on one page. I need them to communicate. And the most important thing is I need them to be healthy. And if that's the case, they could round into a really good offensive line. But when you have injuries and people out and in and out and in, that ruins your continuity. That communication that I know he knows what I'm going to do and we know secondhand and so on and so forth, that matters. It makes a difference during the season. We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN.